Hello, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to another edition of Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is Dr. Mike Steersdorfer. Mike is a guest we've had on the program before. He's a dermatologist who deals with GI allergies. Now, you know, if you're in primary care and you're in your practice, you're thinking, what the heck, a dermatologist dealing with GI allergies? Well, he's really onto something. And if you heard the first program, and by the way, you can hear that program anytime you want by downloading it on our podcast. You would know a little bit about the background, but since I have Mike with us, uh, I'll have him start out. So first of all, Mike, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brian. Tell me a little bit about your work. I know it, you know, since we talked, uh, I guess, about a year or so ago, it, it's dramatically taken off, and it's really exciting. Tell me what's going on. Yes, uh, we have done work uh, investigating the role of food allergies that mimic uh, irritable bowel syndrome, and we're talking specifically about type 4 food allergies, which really haven't been investigated to any degree for irritable bowel syndrome. All the work previously has pretty much dealt with type 1 allergies, which are felt not really to play a role with IBS, but now type 4 food allergies hadn't really been looked at before. So when you break it down, the different types of allergies, what would a type 4 allergy be? Well, the most common example that people would know about would be poison ivy. In dermatology, we see a lot of people with uh, rashes called eczema. Sometimes eczema is caused by something touching the skin, in which case we call it allergic contact dermatitis. So it's that type of allergy that we're talking about uh, in the skin, and we've found that there are applications um, with testing that we do for skin allergies that can be applied to specifically irritable bowel syndrome in gastroenterology. Now, how did you get involved in this? I know we've talked about it before, but for people who didn't hear the other program, what, what got you interested in this? Um, well, about nine years ago, I, out of the blue, developed symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome. Didn't know what was causing it. In fact, the defini- by definition, there is no known cause for irritable bowel syndrome. But after about a year, I determined that it was from ingesting garlic, which, uh, you know, I didn't seek out in my food, but it's in pretty much everything we eat other than breakfast, breakfast foods. And I narrowed it down to garlic. And after stopping garlic, the symptoms went away completely. I then uh, worked backwards, really, and determined the type of allergy that it was. I first tried a RASP blood test on myself, the garlic, which was negative. And then I um, performed a patch test on myself, like we do for people with eczematous rashes. And the patch test of garlic was positive. So I hypothesized that likely the same reaction occurring in my skin was occurring in the lining of the intestinal tract when ingesting garlic. We did a small proof-of-concept study, and uh, it supported that theory. We helped 14 out of 51 people, testing them to up to 40 foods. Um, and when they eliminate those foods from the diet, they, a lot of them improved. You know, a lot of attention is being paid to food allergies. I just heard a report where... Um, people are now going to restaurants saying, I have a food allergy, and restaurants are saying it'll be $10 more to your bill if you say you have a food allergy. Have you heard about that? That's very interesting. No, I definitely haven't heard about it, but uh, I'm sure it is more work in the kitchen for people with food allergies, and food allergies do seem to be uh, becoming more prevalent. When you and I were in grade school, 
Uh, we never thought twice about bringing a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to school. Now, you know, most schools, kids can't bring any peanut products to school, and uh, that's just one example, I think, of many where, um, you know, food allergies are becoming more prominent. You are obviously in the field of dermatology. How much derm are you doing now, and how much allergy-related work are you doing? Uh, good question, Brian. I still do mostly general dermatology. I, pr- I have a practice in suburban Philadelphia where we um, do all kinds of medical dermatology, a lot of skin cancer, that sort of work. Um, but I am expanding this service now after the first study uh, we did that we published in the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology. I was confident enough to then offer this as a service for patients with irritable bowel syndrome, and now we've expanded the number of allergens that we're testing to to 122 different foods. They're all foods that are known to be uh, type 4 food allergens in that they can cause allergic contact dermatitis in someone who's appropriately sensitized when uh, they touch the skin. So uh, we don't use any of the type 1 allergens, things that uh, are more commonly heard about like peanuts and shellfish and strawberries, things that cause the reactions like hives and anaphylaxis, that sort of uh, reaction, which is a type 1 reaction. And when you're doing this, um, I know you're getting a lot of excitement. I mean, the times where you've reached out to the media or the media has come to you, there seems to be a lot of people who have this concern. And for our audience of physicians, it, it kind of probably rings true to them, too, because we, we deal with this a lot. It's really been enjoyable for me to add this facet to my practice. It's a whole new thing uh, for me and really for uh, IBS testing, um, we uh, were covered with a short story uh, by a local major news station a few months ago. It played at 12.40 in the afternoon. It was a two-and-a-half-minute story. They did a really good job with it. And the phone started ringing 10 minutes later. It did not stop for two straight days. My staff was not happy with me. They were not prepared for uh, that kind of response. Neither was I. Um, but... Uh, it was great that that generated that sort of interest because we've been able to help a lot more people with that kind of exposure. But it shows a lot how irritable bowel syndrome and those problems, they really do get a lot of attention, and they're frustrating for people. They really are. Um, 10 to 15% of people in the U.S. are estimated to have IBS, and I can speak from personal experience. I lived with symptoms probably 50% of the days for about a year, and it's really no fun having your stomach on your mind all the time. It wasn't always severe pain, but you don't want to be thinking of your stomach as you're you know, going through the day. So I, I can totally empathize with the people I'm testing now. And when we can help someone, it's really very, very gratifying. I tell patients who come in that when we take the patches off, we leave them on for two days and uh, we take them off. And when taking the patches off, I tell patients, for me, it's like Christmas morning. You never know what you're going to find under there. And uh, when you find specific foods that they're allergic to and remove them from their diet, there's a good chance they're going to get better. When you look at all this stuff and look at the path you've taken in your career and, and this concern, I find it interesting when people look at an issue that's impacted their own health and they've used it to help others. And we see physicians do this a lot. I think so. I mean, for me, uh, this is the first time I've really had the opportunity to do this, and I I like to tell people, you know, it was not some epiphany that just came out of the blue. It just was experiencing what I experienced. And then um, after 
determining it was garlic for sure, just uh, following my nose to determine the nature of the allergy. Um, and I really do think it's eventually going to be accepted as um, a significant advance in the understanding of people that have symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome, which in these cases, when they get better um, from avoiding the foods that we're identifying, it really is an irritable bowel syndrome. It's a type 4 food allergy. I call it allergic contact enteritis, or ACE, for short. When you're trying to talk to patients in general about these things, they obviously are going, I've got these symptoms. I don't want to deal with it. Help me out. How do you explain it to them? Because I think that'll help us as doctors, you know, in primary care setting, like explaining. How do you explain what's going on in their bodies? Well, I first uh, try to screen patients. I want to make sure we're testing patients who have symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome. People hear about this testing for a new type of food allergy testing. They just, some people call and they say, well, I just want to know if I'm allergic to anything. And uh, we want to try to screen those patients out because we have no evidence that it helps other conditions, headaches or uh, rheumatoid arthritis or all kinds of things that have been claimed to be caused by food allergies. Um, but once we get them in there and they definitely have irritable bowel syndrome, I'm pretty optimistic we're going to uh, at least have a chance of helping them. I, I uh, always tell them the story about what happened to me and how I got interested in this as a dermatologist. You know, they're curious about that too when they first come in. So I tell them my story and about the study we did, and I um, try to explain to them that the type of inflammation that's occurring in the skin, which I explained to them as a poison ivy-like reaction, is likely occurring in their intestine when they eat the food, and that's likely causing their IBS symptoms. Uh, again, in people who, who uh, we have a chance of helping, that's, I think, the case. Uh, you know, there are some people we don't help, although with our most recent data, we have results back on 64 patients, and of the 64, uh, we grade them. We have them fill out a questionnaire a month later after they've avoided the foods in question on a 0 to 10 scale with, uh, like, overall improvement. And out of the 64 people, 18 of them have improved from 5 to 7. We consider that moderate improvement. And 25 have improved uh, from 8 to 10, which we consider great improvement or essentially a cure. So we're basically curing 39% of the people we're testing. It's still a fairly small number, but I'm very confident that this is uh, a real phenomenon. And, you know, there may be a small placebo effect. We don't have long-term data yet. These data are just after a month of avoidance. And any gastroenterologist will tell you that you need to avoid things or do uh, treatments for three months to pretty much exclude a placebo effect. And uh, one of the next efforts we're going to make is to, be fo to follow up on these patients and see how they're doing more than three months later. And I'm very confident that um, the statistics will hold up fairly well. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest is Dr. Mike Steerstorfer, and we're talking about, obviously, these different issues with irritable bowel syndrome. And, Mike, I know you're very thorough in everything you do, so you, you've checked it and you've cross-checked it. And, I mean, as the deeper you get into it and the more you see this connection, are you surprised that the connection hasn't been made before? Well, when I first saw the positive patch test on myself and began to research it, that's when I was most surprised it was, or if I couldn't believe that this type of patch testing hadn't, hadn't really been done before for irritable bowel syndrome. So that's where I was 
most surprised. I wasn't that surprised by the results of our subsequent studies we've done because knowing that it definitely was something going on in my own body, I was confident I couldn't be the only person with these kind of symptoms who was experiencing this type of food allergy. So uh, the, the surprise was initially really for me. I'm probably a little surprised that the numbers are as high as they are. I w- might have predicted maybe we'll help a third of the people we test, but you know, if you consider moderate or a great improvement, we're helping 28 plus 39, that's six, 67, that's two-thirds of the people we're testing. So you're definitely seeing that. What, what do you see as the next steps? I mean, do you, do you, are you going to follow this kind of like, like a dog with a bone? You got the information and you can make big differences. Do you see other people who will join in and help? What do you see happening? There's really a lot more to be done. I have collaborated with gastroenterologists from Temple University Hospital. We presented a poster uh, presentation at Digestive Disease Week, which is a big GI conference, and presented poster presentation about our most recent results. And um, the, the fellow, the, the gastroenterology fellow who was involved, actually won a Young Investigators uh, Award for the poster presentation, which we were very happy about. And so we really uh, are very eager to uh, collaborate with uh, other gastroenterologists from other uh, universities and hopefully have bigger studies and studies with control subjects as well to really have a major validation study to confirm um, the validity of, uh, of what we're observing. We only have a couple minutes left. What other points would you like to make before we wrap it up? Um, I might tell a quick story about one patient. Um, this was really a good story. She was 11 years old, and she was in in February. She had been missing school two or three days a week because of her IBS, which she had had for several years. And she was found to be allergic to benzoyl peroxide, which is used to bleach flour, and to a chemical called pinene alpha, which uh, is naturally occurring in celery, parsley, and carrots. And she stopped both of those things, and her mom told me two months later, well, ever since she stopped uh, ingesting either of those, food allergens. She has not had a symptom. She's back to school full-time. Her mom told me that uh, when the girl would get sick, she'd make her vegetable soup with parsley, carrots, and celery in it. She said, I was poisoning my daughter. Uh, So it was a pretty remarkable story, and um, the mother is thankful for, uh, as she says, uh, giving my daughter her life back. So uh, when you do something like that for someone who's had a problem that's really been unresolvable for so long. It's uh, really a great, great uh, feeling, and I'm sure the physicians out there will can relate to that when they really help a patient. It's, uh, there's nothing better that, than, that you can do with your time. Well, that's a great way to end this interview. Dr. Mike Steersdorfer, I want to thank you for joining us on Primary Care Today. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primarycaretoday. You can download the podcast, learn more on the series. Thank you so much for listening.